Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I, I know your name. Okay, we could we could do acapella versions again. That was actually what happens next on the intro song that we always start our show with. Um, Yeah, my name's Angela and I'm from the band Bug Eye. And this week, my co-host is... Paula, also from the band Bug Eye. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. It's been a few weeks since you've been on the show. I feel like it's been an absolute age, to be honest. I missed you. I've been slack on the old research. I have to say, Paula is one of my oldest friends. Not as in just in age, as in as in like I've known her for a long time. <laughs> Are you calling me She's old? So old. I mean, with this heat and working in a face mask, I can't lie. I'm feeling every day of my years. But well, I've got the white hair, but the rest of it, I'd like to just you know. She doesn't have white hair. She's got red do hair. A few She's got bits. Ginger. Hair. ginger. Anyway, um, sorry, that's that's very wrong of me to... But then I feel like I kind of had blonde hair and then dyed my hair red and it's faded and I now look like I'm just trying to be you, minus the curls. Flattery is a form of compliments, what can I say? And anyway, this is Rock Pop Ramble, so thank you for joining us for episode 23. This is... That's almost like we're going on six months almost of doing this show. It's like a quarter of a hundred, almost. <laughs> Well, t- we are from East London. I'm showing and, off uh, my GCSE maths there. Well, you've probably got better grades than a lot of people this year, given what's happening with forecasts oh. and predictions. It's uh, dark times. Yeah, dark, dark times. Thanks, coronavirus. Um, you fucked us again. Yes, yes, yes. So this week we've got, oh my God, a fucking gem for you. Um, I mean, Paula, how do you want to explain it? Well, I mean, basically, it started off as a drunken conversation of whatever happened to. I really wanted you to bust out whatever happened to. Da, 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 da. Whatever happened to. Okay, this is audio. Heroes. You can't see my strange looking face. <laughs> Quizzically staring at Angela at the moment. <laughs> oh, it's been a few weeks. You've you've missed my whole thing of now trying to turn this into some sort of like quiz game show. Or musical theatre. No, musical. You don't need to put theatre in it, just musical. Well, it could be like a radio theatre play thing, couldn't it? Could be. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's probably what people are just doing now at the moment with all the theatres shut. Although they are opening, aren't they? Are you saying um, we're going to be like a crap version of the Archers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, my swear counts already at about 20. Exactly. So, so should we crack in the on? Yes, let's crack on. So, yes, as Paula did say, the theme this week is whatever happened to. And um, when we were drunk the other night, this was the most incredible, amazing idea. And I was going to research so many things, which I did start doing. And I was originally going to do, I have to say, right, um, what I dubbed and I thought it was going to be genius the curse of Kurt, which was basically bands that have been described as oh, it's like Kurt Cobain in you know the modern Kurt Cobain or whatever. So it was like gonna I was gonna look at Silverchair, The Vines, and Bush, and when I just started digging into it, it was just it was it was huge. 
but also probably not quite correct to call it the curse of Kurt seeing the silver chair actually went on for 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of, yeah. So I then looked at a number of other people and I landed on, um, I'm just going to do one. I'm going to do East 17. Well, go big. Who are you going to do? I'm talking about Claxons and also Kathy Dennis. Oh, Amazing, but did you did you look into any others? Like how how did you get to those? I did. I mean, like I've looked at a number of people. I can't lie. Um, shampoo. What are they doing now? Uh oh, we're in trouble. Something's come along and it's burst up. Oh, actually, oh my god, this is deja vu. I think Kerry mentioned them the other day. Oh, really? On the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So so what happened to them? They quit showbiz to raise their families. Daphne and Celeste. Ooh, stick you. What else did they sing? Um. Was there something about your mama? Oh, you L-G-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you're ugly. I'm sure that's got so something about your mum. nothing to do with your mum. No, that was Ooh, Stick You. Oh, was it? Ooh, Stick You, your mama too, ah. and your daddy. I sort of feel like I shouldn't know this. Well, I clearly do know these, so that's how super cool I am. You know, anyway, they've gone into theatre. As oh. you do. Pearl Lowe is now a fashion designer. Alex from Blur, making cheese in the Cotswolds. Louise Wiener, author. Justine from Elastica. She's an artist. I thought she was an architect. No, I think she's an artist, isn't she? No, she's not an architect. No, she studied that. Oh. And then was in a band and she's an artist living in New York or something like that. I mean, I suppose it's not the greatest leap to make, is it? And for people listening, I promise there's more to this show than us just literally saying one-liners about about bands. Um, but before we get stuck into any of the, the stories that we mentioned, um, we do have new music as well. Every single week we come armed with um, with what we think is a really, really cool track by a band that you should know. Um, and maybe you have already heard of them and we're not as cool as we think we are. Um, so the band I'm going to play this week is Pop Hooray. And I'm going to play, I haven't quite decided yet, either Dearly Departed or Eisenhower. This week I'm playing a track called Yellow Room by a band called New Pagans from Belfast. So, should we kick off with, I reckon, this week, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll tag team. Seeing you've got two, you go yeah. first. We'll play a new song, then I'll do mine, then we'll play another song, and then you do yours, and then everyone can go to bed. Fair enough. So who do you want to hear about first, Kathy Dennis or Claxons? Oh, I want to hear about Kathy Dennis. So, Kathy Dennis, she was around, I think, was it not the kind of late 90s? She was. With hits including Touch Me All Night Long, which was a cover, Everybody Move, and also, interestingly, a cameo appearance in Bev- 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 I can't say it, Beverly Hills 90210. Really? Yep. As who? That's My research doesn't go to that she was. She last released an album in 1996 that turned away from her kind of sort of usual pop style, went more down a sort of indie-ish kind of route, I would say. Um, I mean, her career has been described as moderately successful as a singer. But when it comes to songwriting, which is what she went into after that, she's absolutely phenomenal. Like the kind of the amount of artists she's written for. She's written for Sugar Babes, S Club 7, Will Young, Celine Dion, like massive kind of big hit makers. She wrote I Kissed a Girl for Katy Perry. No way. She did. She wrote... uh, Can I stop you there, actually? 
because because we talked about one hit wonders, yeah. me and Kerry, and the um, lead singer of Four Non Blondes um, also went on to have a fantastic career of of writing. So uh, yeah, not not really relevant to Katy Perry, but wrote for for Pink, for example. And, no, I think a lot of people yeah. do. I mean, do you remember what was that song? Dub be good to me. And there was a girl in yeah. it called Lindsay Layton. Ooh, oh, that was the Beats International yeah. song. That'd be good yeah. to me. She yeah. went on to become a, a great songwriter as well. Amazing. Though I do kind of want... Oh, maybe that's... I'm going off topic anyway. Carry on, sorry, Kathy Dennis. <laughs> I mean, like, she's wrote some massive hits. She's written Toxic for Britney Spears. <gasps> no way! Because yeah. I actually... Sorry, I need to stop interrupting. I actually think that that is Britney Spears' most greatest single. I think it's the music. It's just... Oh, Wow, it's the perfect pop song. Strangely, though, Kathy Dennis didn't like it as a song. She thought it just sounded really weird, which was kind of how she wanted it to sound. That's how, that was the kind of thought process behind yeah. it. But until she heard it on the radio, she was like, disliked the song, but just put it out there to see what would happen with it. She also wrote, wrote Can't Get You Out of My Head for Kylie. And <gasps> I have some news. You know, when I told you in the pub that Toxic was originally written for Kylie and Can't Get You Out of My Head was written for Britney? Yes, you did tell me that. It turns out, now I'm quite certain I've read this somewhere on the internet, but do you think I could find it for this podcast to put it as a link? So it might have just been drunk chat in the pub. No, I'm certain I've read that somewhere. But what I have found out is that Toxic was originally written with Janet Jackson in mind, which I think when you think about the kind of vocal styles, that would work better. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I can see. I can see it. To be honest, I think, you know, it needed a great pop vocal to go with it. And I think Britney does a superb job at delivering that yeah. song. But likewise, you know, I think I think Kylie, Janet, you know, it, Jan, Janet, my friend Janet, you know. You know, <laughs> Janet Jan, from down the road. Jay, actually, yes, I'll call her. I've got a little pet name for her. JJ. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, any one of them could have been, been fantastic, but that doesn't mean I'm trying to do a disservice mm-hmm, to, to mm-hmm. Britney Spears with that because I think she totally owned it. But, um, yeah, I think that would have been a cracking song for, for any any of those those pop pop um, singers. I, I was pop trying heavyweights, to, I would say. Yeah, pop, I was, pop you, heavyweights. You've done it. You've done it. You've finished my sentence. Let's go with that one. When we, you know someone for that long. There you go. And something else I didn't know was that Can't Get You Out of My Head had, had originally been offered to Sophie Ellis-Bexter. I don't see that I don't working. see that working either. But I don't know if it's her or her people or... Whoever makes these such decisions in the all world. These, all these ties. Sophie Ellis-Bexter, again, all these podcasts, everything is just so connected, isn't it? Interweaving. Sophie Ellis-Bexter did Cher's Take Me Home. And I'm not saying that Cher and Sophie Ellis-Bexter have the same voice, but you can hear that sort of deep, mm-hmm. kind of more, not slow groove to it. But I don't, I don't see like Sophie Ellis Bexter doing a real punchy kind of. Duh, 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 like, yeah. I think her voice has that kind of doesn't lend itself to a like a staccato kind of type, yeah, sort of vocal. Yeah, that's that's what you know. You wouldn't think I I like wrote music and worked in music <laughs> at all, would you? With the fact I can't describe anything, um, but uh, yeah, I no. struggled to spell the word chorus. Don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> too many U's. I mean. But like she's she's a phenomenal songwriter, and along the way she's picked up eight number ones in the UK, five Ivor Novello awards, 
And she's been rated as the 66th most important person in music by Q magazine. And for someone who left or not left the music industry, but got out of performing because she was just tired of being constantly put down by men about her songwriting. For me, I think that's a massive, like, you know, stick it to the man kind of thing. Well, I actually think she's she's living the dream, right? Because ultimately she's she's been out there, she's done it as a performer, mm-hmm. and then she's forged a successful career writing for other people. And what an impressive catalogue of songs to have under your belt. Like, you know, there, there is, I'll go on to some, you know, talking about E17 and and people then gone on and, and written things and it is nothing within within that league. I think that is dead impressive. So hats off to you, Kathy. And I think for such a wide, like a wide range of people as well. I mean, she does write pure pop tunes, but, you know, she's written for like S Club 7 and Celine Dion. Yeah. That's like spectrums. I think we can leave it on that. Leave it on that? Well, that was good. That was short and sweet. And uh, everyone knows it's like... Well, if Angela's only done one, then it must be that there's pages. Epic. But uh, it's shorter than the share episode last week where Kerry turned sort of white when she saw that I had four pages of notes. (laughs) Um, So should we listen to some some music? Yeah. Okay. So this is, I've decided which song I'm playing. Go for it. This is Popuray with Dearly Departed.
So that was Pop Parade and that song came out, I think that one came out through Bingo Records. Um, I'll post links anyway to um, all of this stuff in the podcast show notes. So do check them out. There'll be links to Bandcamp and all of their social media. But Pop Parade are a four-piece DIY outfit based in Sheffield. And they, having recently learnt their instruments, they formed a band. Um, well, actually, no, they learnt it, learnt their instruments to form a band even. Cool. Which I think is great. And it's a good starting point. It's kind of off-the-wall pop. And it's kind of catchy and melodic, sometimes haunting sounds there. And a recent um, reviewer described them as impossibly cool, impe- impeccably weird. Nice. Which, apt. Which I think, yeah, I think it's quite apt. And I discovered that band um, via the Foundlings, who we've also featured oh, cool. on this show. Um, and I discovered them because they did a takeover on Instagram for Getting Her Ears. And they not only featured Bug Eye, like we did a piece mm-hmm. for them, but they, they also featured a few other bands on there. And one of them was Pop Puree, who I just thought were absolutely wonderful. And then instantly went to listen to their songs and was just like, you're amazing. So I'm glad to finally get to play them on the show. I think that's one good thing that might have come out of coronavirus is that we've all got so much more time to be watching stuff and it's you have nothing else to do. So, Well, I suppose it's a case of that we would... Like I was always out at gigs in London, right? Mm-hmm. So, But unless bands were playing in London... Exactly. Or if it was because our own band, Bug Eye, was on tour yeah. and there'd be bands that were supporting us or we'd be playing with bands, we'd discover music that way. But like a band like this... Mm-hmm. You wouldn't necessarily have come across. Although I don't know. I mean, if Getting Her Ears and Loud Women are writing about about them, then then I probably would have. But I don't know. Would they have been writing about... Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's all these unknowns. But I do I do feel like... I sort of feel more, more proud of the discoveries. It sort of yeah. feels more like a kind of... I'm actually being really proactive in, and I don't actually feel like I'm being so proactive, really. I'm mm-hmm. I'm reading blogs like I've always done, but I suppose because we're doing this show, it makes me think more about the music I'm listening to and rather than going, oh, that was good, oh, I must check them out. Yeah. I'm actually being more proactive in checking them out and buying people's records and, and things. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, on to E17. On to E17, all right, okay. Um, East 17, whatever happened to East 17? Um, so 90s boy band with a bit more grit than their squeaky clean counterparts of Take That. Uh, they were mixed. They were sort of, um, I suppose you could describe their sound as sort of a, a mix of pop with hip hop and rap. Early hip hop we're talking about here. Um, they had shaved heads, they had tattoos and they were basically pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Right? And... I suppose when people think back to that time, you think of Take That as the huge band on E17. But actually, the two were pretty pretty equally big mm-hmm. for, for a few years. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and and battling, battling it out. And E17 certainly had a bit more street, cool and edge, edge. Yeah. Than, than Take That did, right? These were the bad boys, um, they were the real people, if you like, rather than the the plasticness of pop. Not, you know, take that. I'm not taking away from them. Um, of what so they you did, did there. Yes, I know. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> um, anyway, founding member of E17 was Tony Mortimer. And Tony originally wanted to be a solo artist. 
and he was in discussions with London Records, again, really cool label, um, but they had other ideas about what they wanted from this this great pop writer. Uh, they wanted a boy band and they wanted Tony to be the one to form that band. Um, and basically that was the terms of the, the agreement. It was pretty much like, you know, them's the shakes, Sonny Jim. We want you to form a boy band. And he was like, ah, shucks. Because that's how people talk in East London. Not really. Of course it is. Uh, he was from Walthamstow. Yeah. So uh, the name East 17 is not a lie with that. Um, East 17, for those that don't know, is the postcode um, for that part of London. Um, and so that's where they get their name from. But so given the brief, that's exactly what Tony did. He went out, he recruited Brian Harvey, John Hendy and Terry Coldwell in 1991 and East 17 were born. So Tony wrote majority of the group's songs and the format was kind of, you know, the verses would be like a, dub -a, -dub -a, -dub -a, like a rap. And then you would have Brian coming in singing something. So, um, and they, as I say, they're mixed in various styles. And actually, if you listen to music, it does have, as I say, like kind of more um, urban edge to it. So there's, there's a whole mix of genres within that pop, rap and hip hop. And even in some of the stuff, like some really like pop house bits going on. Yeah, believe it or not. But yeah, so it's like kind of if you take those genres and really popify them, you've got you've got East Seventeen doing that. Can I ask a question? Yeah, was he solely responsible for writing the music? He mainly wrote most yeah. most of it, to be honest. Um, and they they sold a shit ton of records, and uh, which includes eighteen top uh, twenty singles. In the UK, that's in the UK, um, as well as four kind of top ten albums. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah. to be fair, the royalties they must be making off of Stay Alone. Which I'll come on to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll come on to that one. So how many albums do you think they sold worldwide? I'm going to go with two million. Eighteen million. Bloody hell. Yeah. And they're actually huge. I wish I'd taken this uh, fact and put it in here properly, but I read earlier that... Um, they're actually really, really big. Like they were big. Don't here. tell me in Japan. No, no, no. In Australia, they were really huge. And really? some other parts in, in Europe. And I think I think to a degree they were actually bigger in Australia than they were here. But wow. they, were, they were massive here. But um but yeah, they they never really broke into into the States um with their with the music. I don't think Take That really conquered or did that I don't know. We'll do an, a Take That episode at some point, I'm sure. Um so anyway, needless to say the band were huge. They even bagged Christmas number one with Stay Another Day. Mm -hmm. Actually, that was their only number one single. Really? Yeah. We'd take that had more than that. But, yeah. Um, but it was... But seen... I'm surprised that's yeah. their only number one, to be fair. like I... So was I. I really thought, because of things, I just remember them being constantly around. I mean, um, maybe it's because we grew up in East London, but I remember them being, like, as big as Take That. But yeah, I think that, like, East 17 broke up before they could have realised how big they were really going to to be if that if that makes if that makes sense um number one single and it stayed at the top spot for five weeks and that was back in 1994 you did it again stay another day stayed at the top spot it's just i just yeah i think it's it's like a you know i said i grew up with a stutter this is like a delayed stutter that i just, <laughs> just have to repeat the same word in the same sentence twice. it's not just a syllable anymore no exactly exactly there we go other hit songs included House of Love. Yep. Everybody in the house of love. Um, they also had It's Alright 
it's all right, it's all right, everything's gonna be all right. I forgot yeah. about that. And that's all I know of that song. They sort of seemed pretty unstoppable until dum dum dum. Brian Harvey went on to brag about taking 12 Exy tablets in one night. Dum dum dum. Now, does that sound shocking? Probably not that shocking, but you've got to understand the context. And I'm going to read a quote from the Irish Times and then give you um, a little bit of context as to what was happening at the time in the UK when this ban happened. Um, so British pop band East 17 sacked their lead singer, Brian Harvey, last night, just 24 hours after he proclaimed that ecstasy was a safe drug which increases the love between people. Despite Harvey's full apology, East 17, one of Britain's leading boy bands, issued a terse statement saying he'd been sacked from the group because of his unacceptable behaviour. Now, that might sound really harsh, but... Go for it. Was it his actual behaviour that he thought was unacceptable, the fact that he went to the press? This... He was just, like, mouthing off. But, Mm. okay, the, the reason why... This 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 was treated so harshly. Was yes, yeah. Of the death, you were just about to say the death of eighteen-year-old Leah Betts. Yeah. Um, and that was on the eleventh of November. Basically, Leah Betts took and took ecstasy MDMA tablet, and then drank approximately seven liters, which is yeah, a lot of water in the mm-hmm. space of ninety minutes. Um, four hours later, she collapsed into a coma, which she she never recovered from. So she died, and it was due, and it was it was big news. Yeah, I remember that. It was very very big news because this was a house party full of like a bunch of teenagers that were not like they weren't like ravers or out a squat party. That it, it's almost like if that had happened, not saying that that is an acceptable thing to have happened to anyone that you die from taking a pill, but it was just like you know someone who otherwise wouldn't normally have been in a situation of, you know, taking drugs. So it kind of all, all kind of, um, you know, there were debates about should drugs be legalised and regulated? No, they shouldn't. This is the worst drug. This is going to kill all your children. And then you've got Brian Harvey who comes out and goes, nah, that's perfectly safe. I took 12. Yeah. As in like, what are you pissing and moaning about? Is almost how people saw it. And so, you know, record label absolutely freaked out. The rest of the band were like, okay, well, this 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 is going to be the death of the band. We need to get rid of him. So they fired him and they became a free piece. Although there's kind of like a little bit of a gap from that happening um, because of Tony. Mortimer's was sort of just a bit sort of needed a bit of space. But they came back as a three piece not, not long after that. Released a couple of singles. It didn't really work out and they disbanded. They reformed again in 2010. But nothing that really sort of blew the socks yeah. off of people. It's that they hadn't been big enough for long enough to do like a kind of take that comeback weird, type exactly. Thing. Even if all the members aren't there, it was just never gonna gonna happen. So, so basically, the band after two years of that, you know, of them reforming in 2010, they disbanded. So where are they now, Paula? Where are they now? Right. Okay. <laughs> Um, Tony Mortimer lives in Essex and he's got his own studio and he still produces records, he still writes. He managed a couple of groups, but there's nothing that's kind of really taken oh, off in, in in the way that Kathy Dennis, for example, yep. has, has conquered that. Um, Brian Harvey, and there's a bit, bit more about him because unfortunately for him, 
he stayed in the media spotlight for for quite a bit of time after that, and uh, not with quite great great uh, results. Was he in a relationship with Daniela Westbrook? Daniela Westbrook, and there was that famous picture of her where they'd done so much cocaine that her nose yeah. collapsed, and she had to go and have like reconstruction of her nose. Um, that's how much coke they apparently had been had been doing. Um, but Brian Harvey. In 2000, he collaborated with True Steppers with the song True Step Tonight, which reached number 26 in the UK. Didn't know that. Nope. Um, After he's 17, he signed a record deal and had two singles in 2001, straight up, and that went in at number 26. And Loving You, um, which went in and topped, topped his position at number 20 in the UK. Under his own name? Yeah, under his own name. I had no idea. I mean, I, I don't generally follow the charts, but... No, but I mean, the thing is, he kind of... It's it's one of those things that he kind of just couldn't break into the top yeah. 10 with it. But, I mean, you know, so it didn't, didn't really work out. And then, you know, in 2004, he appeared on ITV's programme, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but left early after Janet Street Porter criticised his flatulence. Really? Well, that was the thing that was widely spread in the news, but it was also rumoured, which is probably more true, that his grandmother died. So, you know, I think that's probably more of the truth. Um, and then in 2017, no, that's a lie, 20, 2007 is the date. I can't read dates. What's going on with me? 2007, um, Brian Harvey performed a song entitled I Can for Making Your Mind Up, the UK's national final for the Eurovision, Eurovision Song Contest. Um, the song was written by singer Connor Reeves. Mm-hmm. Harvey was eliminated after the first round of voting. So, you know, he tried to kind of become mm-hmm. the person who represented the UK, but that didn't quite happen. But, you know, tw- he didn't give up. 2019, uh, Brian Harvey was making music with rapper Cryptic Soul and was featured in the songs A Ghetto Love Story and Bang Em Up. Can I tell you some facts yep. about him? Um, on the 12th of December 2001, he uh, required, required even reconstructive surgery after being attacked with a knife in a club car park in Nottingham. Oh. That's really horrible. But it gets worse, right? In May 2005, after being diagnosed with clinical depression, Brian Harvey was hospitalised after an alleged suicide attempt. Then, also, um, in on the 31st of May, 2005, he was readmitted to hospital in a critical condition after running himself over with his own car. What? I know. I was like, I, I kind of almost did like a double take as in, how is that even possible? Right? So, apparently... He fell under the wheels of his reversing car after he leaned out of the car to be sick. He later blamed the incident on having eaten too many jacket potatoes. What's too many jacket potatoes? I think one is enough. So anything beyond one would be, I, you know. But I mean, also, how far do you have to lean? Listen, I don't want to be, you know, casting aspersions on people, but... Is there nothing in this tale that is not a little bit far-fetched? The last one. I mean, the other two are just freaking sad. But Yeah. I mean, you've eaten too many jacket potatoes and that's caused you to fall on the floor. Well, to lean out of your car and be sick, right? So, okay. So, leaning out of your window to be sick. I'm sorry. 
I mean, unless you that even how? if you open the door. I mean, I love a spud as much as the next person, but come on now. I mean, actually, I could see if you did open the door, and if oh god, that that's just that's really Grim. fucking bad luck, isn't it? Really, that's really bad luck. Or there was a little bit more going on than an overindulgent in the old jacket potato. Possibly, but let's not speculate on that. Not, yeah, we're going to get done for libel here. Exactly, exactly. Um, but anyway, that's, I mean, that. I just think that's that's really, really, really unlucky. Oh, I just think he's had a, a bit of a hard time as well, to be fair oh, to I just him. think, yeah, just, um, yeah, and unfortunately it was just all in the media, yeah. the whole thing. But the, there were other, two other members. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hendy. John stayed with the band and reunited with Brian and Terry in 1998, um, becoming one of the only original members left until the band split again. Um, I think he tried to reform a couple of other times um, that, that didn't really work out. I mean, they reformed, but didn't really do anything. Like, there's, there's stuff in the newspapers about them trying to play a gig and there being only, like, 30 people there. And so since then, he's kind of stayed out the limelight. But when I say he's the only original member, like he literally was in a band with no one else that was originally in the band. And he was the he was only like a kind of backing singer yeah. in the band. So I just find that, that strange that they, they could get away with calling themselves East 17. I guess like if the record company says that's OK and that's who it's, the music's licensed to, I mean, sugar well, babes. Yeah. No, yeah, but the, the the member that stayed in the Sugar Babes was a fundamental part of yeah. the writing. Thirty three point three percent. Okay, <laughs> Terry Coldwell is still involved in the music business as a singer songwriter and DJ. He has continued to wave the East Seventeen flag as he still performs under the same name. Really? Wait, he performs under the name of E Seventeen. Well, no, well, that's what it says, but it must be, you know, Terry Caldwell from E Seventeen, okay, rather enough. than him trying to make a separate name. Because I, I also looked at that as in, well, hang on, job then. on me. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. I think he just he just cites that as, um, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going to end on a really sad fact. I don't do this, right? but but you know, there's there'll be laughter and fun. I'm sure with your next. Um, there's happy times. There's happy times on the way. But facts, the song, Stay Another Day, known as a Christmas song, features on loads of yeah. Christmas compilation albums, which I've always thought was odd. As well. Because a bit of a miserable sounding song. Um, it doesn't relate to Christmas. It's just got snow in the video. No, I know. And it was released at Christmas time. It became a Christmas number one. So that makes it... A Christmas, Christmas song. song. Right, but anyway, um, so... Like I say, although it's played and featured on loads of Christmas albums, the song is anything but jolly. The song tells a heartbreaking story as it was written by the group's lead singer, Tony Mortimer, about his brother's suicide. And he actually felt really weird that it was like this Christmas, like, number one. But, you know, he sort of explains it in the sense that, you know, perhaps it's a case that, you know, there's this sort of sense of, nostalgia about the song and anyone who's lost someone and how Christmas makes you think of those people and um, I'm actually going to cry but it's not really that genuinely sad it's, it's, well of course it's sad no, but especially that I never knew that about that song yeah no that's um, so that's my final fact on that one and I did I did try to look up other fun facts about E17 but I really couldn't find anything because it's just there's just so many headlines about the you know Stay Another Day, mm-hmm. um, then also about um, Brian 
and drugs mm. and all of the sort of trashy headlines that went around that. To and be honest, they yeah. were like go-to for kind of tabloid headlines, weren't they? I mean, I remember one that they like... They played to it. They were was it not? Um, was there not one where it was alleged that Daniela Westbrook had nicked one of their mum's Dyson's to buy drugs? <laughs> I've not heard that. I mean... <laughs> the truth or the untruth on it, I wouldn't know. Um I'm, you know what, while we listen to, because I think it's probably time to cheer, cheer us up with some some new tunes. New tunes. Uh, so while we're playing the next song, I'm going to Google and try and find some facts about Daniela Westbrook and the Dyson. Right, so Paula, who are you playing? This week I've chosen to play a track called Yellow Room by a band called New Pagans from Belfast. Days trapped in a yellow haze, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Strained and boarded in, feeding on the young man's skin, it's getting worse.
as Yellow Room by New Pagans. They're hailing from sunny Belfast. Um, I think musically what I really like about that song is just the simple guitar at the start and how it all interacts with the vocals and everything kicks in. But I think what's worth noting about that song um, is that they're aiming to encourage recognitions for mothers within the within the music industry and they really want to highlight the need for um parents and baby mental health in northern ireland which i think like poof, if you're going to get behind something get behind that no it's great i think i think that's it's, it's, it's a great subject matter a really important mm. subject matter to get behind and musically like you were saying is in um i don't know the simplicity you know it's going to be it's like with like with with other songs we've we've featured when they start off simple mm. But it's it's the genius in the simplicity that really hooks you in. Completely and agree. And it doesn't need anything else. It was almost like to me, from first hearing, it was almost felt like it was going to be Anna Calvi that kicked in. Mm. But then the vocals kick in, and it's like almost the Kills esque, coupled yeah. with the XX and whole stream of other things it's but it was exactly a bit of st vincent in there as well and it was it was almost just like i don't know where this is gonna go and it, it goes to fantastic and unexpected places and i really like that yeah so cheers for that new pagans um as always we'll put all the bands uh social contacts band camps etc in the end Please. phone numbers no we won't go home addresses <laughs> And I was about to say something serious. Please do try to support the ba- support bands if you can, particularly on Bandcamp Fridays. Um, they're running till the end of the year. So, yeah, if you want to save your pennies up until that cheeky Bandcamp Friday, the band will get 100% of it. Or just stream it, like it, add it, it, add it to playlist and share it. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to, to do that. So, uh, but... But it, it really does make a difference to, to bands. And we've given you two great examples of bands to go and do that with. So, on with the show. On with the show. On with the klaxons. Sound the klaxons. <laughs> <laughs> you've, done, you've written that on a bit of paper, haven't you? I actually haven't. And at any opportunity, at any opportunity, shout that out. That's what you've written, isn't it? No, I haven't. But shall I continue with the notes <laughs> I have made? <laughs> go on then. Go on then. I like you've you've got like little stars and little pictures and this is very it's beautiful, Paula. It's beautiful. Those it's a work of art, mate. Or a work of a mad woman. Um, so anyway, Claxons they burst onto the musical scene with their debut album, um, Myths of a Future. Was it Myths of the Near Future? I think it was in two thousand and seven. Um, They'd been going for like a year or two. They had a few seven inches out on Independence. But that was a kind of the big album that put them out there. They scooped up a Mercury Music Prize for it. And they were kind of like pioneering or the big sellers of what was going to be Dub's new rave. Uh, three albums and seven years later, they split up with James. Or they split up by announcing that the two they were currently on was going to be their last. There was no massive big dramas as far as I can tell, with James Wrighton saying that the Claxons have become some kind of karaoke. So, I mean, I guess they just weren't generally happy with it. Really? A karaoke? I mean, I loved that album, that first album. I did as well, but how much do you know about the second and third? I didn't know they had a second and third. Me either. So that's why I started researching them, thinking they had one massive album. But no, they had two more. And, And they kept going for seven years after that second album. But I think it was just they got to a point... I mean, at the start of it, there was a story that the amount of money they were being offered by a record company, they considered obscene. 
They thought it was obscene. They thought it was too much. So what they did was they reined it back in, took less, mm. but had the ability to start up their own record company as a subsidiary of that company, if that makes oh, sense. Okay. And they preferred to go down that road. I think they were just knackered, to be honest. From what I can read, it's like they were just tired of being like out on the roads constantly, you know, maybe not always having the best mental health, but being at an age you can't really deal with that as well, which is also mm-hmm. quite hard. I mean, I think being as you get a bit older, you're a bit more self-aware of what it is you need to do to get yourself into a good place. But if you're super young yeah. and you're touring 24-7 and there's money being chucked at you, you are going to party. But there's a story. They went to Milan to record an album for six weeks. Day one, they went to the studio, set up. Day two, they went to the studio, didn't write anything. Day three, they went shopping. And spent the whole of the rest of the six weeks going shopping. Like that's how they spent their studio time. Oh, but, that's but when that kind of, of cash kind of... is thrown at you, that will happen. Yeah, but I mean, I think that comes in with also like who were the people that are supposed to be managing them and as well, them back in line, right? Because because well. the fact is, with look, I mean, obviously common sense should kick in. That hang on a minute, we've got an album to write, but. <sighs> But look, well, no, common sense should just kick in. But, but here's the thing. At the same, after but at the he same was, time, they yeah. went to the person that was looking after them and they were getting like a daily allowance at this point for them to be able to buy food, live, take taxes, whatever they need to do, etc. And they go to him and say, oh, can we have this daily money for today? And he's like, sorry, lads, spent it on drugs. Oh, for f- I mean, that's not... <sighs> and I really hope I can find the interview that was quoted in or that's libel. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure it's out there. So here we are in 2014. Um, in 2015, it was claimed that he was currently earning £5,000 a year. To be been... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, £5,000 a year. A year, 5K. Well, that's all right. But... 5K a year. Oh, okay, that's and quite a dip. how true that is or not, I mean, it was in a red top newspaper. It was not the song. Could he not get another job? Mm, he didn't really need to because something I didn't know about him is he's married to Kira Knightley. What the fuck? Yep. How did I not know this? Oh, no, okay, look, let's take it all back then. The earning 5K a year. That was probably just his pocket money for the year. I mean, I don't know. If, I think they got married in 2013 as far as I'm aware. So I think by this point he was married to her. Is he not doing other things? They're living in a house in Canterbury. They're doing all right. He is doing other things. I mean, in 2016... He toyed with the idea of opening a microbrewery. So I don't think he was short a pretty penny, like in the style of Alex James and his cheese business. Okay, okay. So the fact is, he's probably got a ton of cash Mm -hmm. in the bank. So him earning that 5k a year, um, that doesn't doesn't really matter. I'm not subbing. I mean, I I just, I don't know. Like, but I guess my point with that is, why would that sell a paper? Saying what? That he only earns five k. This, this musician earns five grand a year. I'm pretty sure there's musicians out there that earn less than that. But how would they even know that unless he declared it? Um, because they set up the Claxons as a private company, or they set up like the three of them oh, as a private so, company. So, okay, so, so looking the, at that private company's yeah, company house filing, well, that doesn't mean he only earned five. It means that that's a throwaway uh, comment. Paul, well, I'm putting you to task on it. Doesn't mean he only earned five k. It means a, a, a business that's kind of dormant because the klaxons aren't doing anything, still weren't 5K. I think I'd be fucking ecstatic if I could sit and do nothing, right, with with some music stuff and it still earned five grand a year. That's pretty good. That's what he did. He went back to music. 
And he started a group called Shock Machine, which was based, I think as far as I can tell, it's basically him with a backing band. But in that backing band, it was some kind of weird super group. There was um, Anna Pryor from Metronomy on there and drums. Amazing. He had Ed, is it Ed McFarlane, the guy from Friendly Fires? I think so, yes. Well, anyway, the Friendly Fires bassist was in there on bass. Like, I mean, how cool is that? It's like, yeah, I'm done with that now. A year later, I'm going to do that. Unfortunately, after that, it seems like he went through some pretty dark stuff. He's pretty down, pretty depressed, but has bounced back. And this year in March, released his first solo album. Like, just him, himself, like, using his kind of childhood influences. He cites him as, like, ELO. So, yeah, I mean, good luck to him. Maybe it wasn't the best time of the year to be dropping an album in March, like, 2020. But fair play for getting it out there. He's also written film scores for film and TV. Like, he's someone that's kind of had this big success as a young person, and then took a step back and thought about what they actually wanted to do with music writing, as far as I can tell. Well, exactly. Form. So it sounds like, I mean, I, I suppose from the initial when you were saying, you know, um, he's married to Kerry Knightley and he's mm. only in 5K, it's like that made it sound, I suppose. I think that's the tabloids way of telling it, though, well, to exactly, be fair. And I shouldn't use that word. kind of language. Well, I, I suppose. Snack wrist. I would never do that. It's violent. <laughs> no, but I, I, I suppose it's a case of that's the perception yeah. that's been put out there in the media when in reality there's all this stuff happening in the background in the background and uh yeah it's only the klaxon's business that is still yeah. earning money even though they've not really done anything since then but he's certainly sounds he's um very very active i mean yeah and i was surprised What's his name sorry his name is james Wrighton. James Wrighton. Sorry, because we keep saying he, and I just thought, who are we talking about here? James Wrighton. Okay. I mean, I was surprised to hear that the um, the Claxons had put out further two albums. But then in researching this podcast, there were people that I thought, okay, whatever happened to, and for sure something's going to come up about them. Wouldn't happen now because every fucking time someone releases something, and I follow so many bands, so I'm yeah. just spammed by Spotify where it's like, artists you're interested in and so you get their release all the time there which which is not a bad thing to be honest um because i actually do look at you know the fact that i've followed artists mm-hmm. on spotify means i'm actually interested whereas other emails i get i would never bother to open whereas at least this is definitely yeah. things i've selected so i suppose that would never happen now that about what well, I mean, could I don't know. Happen, did, but... did you know the Ting Tings released an album t- in 2018? No, but I didn't, don't follow I don't them. Fo- no, but I, the things I really liked the first album, yeah. But you know, Spotify for me happened, you know, I, I finally subscribed like earlier this this year, and before that, I was using like iTunes, like all my record mm-hmm. collection mm-hmm. stuff, and it wasn't really marketing to me anyone's new releases so unless i'd have read or seen it or heard it i wouldn't have known it was there so so should we celebrate pixel tracking and and digital marketing (laughs) because it does work um no we shouldn't it's quite evil um in in some senses i work in digital marketing so i can't completely sack it off but i'd like to think that i'm not soulless ethical i'm ethical that could be your tagline. Ethically, digitally marketed. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. Okay. Uh, okay, right, Paula. 
Um, I've tried to convince Kerry. Yeah. I have decided that I am going to open a pub at some point after lockdown. Dangerous. Fucks off. Right. Well, the coronavirus is gone. I'm, I'm going to open a pub, I've mm-hmm. decided. And uh, no pub is complete without a good pub quiz. Kerry's already said she's not going to come to it. Why? She does brilliant quizzes. She just mocks me. She doesn't know about the cottage breaks. Haters going to hate. That we go on with all of our friends and the the, the effort that me and Julia go into dressing a room and... Dressing yourselves. Dressing ourselves as Oscars as one Oscars. year. And, yeah. uh, and then having to make Baker foil shoes to go outside. Because... <laughs> That's a long story. <laughs> a really long story uh, anyway I think I think we should end off the podcast thanks for tuning in folks if you do have a story if you've got new music you want us to hear please do drop us an email at rockpoprambles at gmail.com and I'm going to get better at, at kind of reading out those messages because they're really lovely and wonderful and we really appreciate it and uh, it's just nice to know you're listening yeah it's wonderful to know you're listening and yeah, I promise that I'll start reading stuff back. But actually, while I'm at it, I am going to read something back because I remember where I saved it on my phone because uh, it was only today, only today, I think. And it was from Richard Stableford. And he um, has messaged a few times now saying, and his last message was... Um, Loving the Bug Eye podcast, especially the laughs they create. It is, and sorry, the drinking noise in the background that's suddenly coming really loudly is my dog. She's here yet again. It's not me. Famous. It's not Paula. <laughs> I do let her drink of a glass and hopefully she doesn't drink. Angela her. forces me to drink from a bowl. <laughs> she <laughs> says I'm not enough. She says I'm not enough of a person to be able to drink from a glass or that's- a cup. Absolutely correct. Anyway, Richard says, I'm loving the Bug Eye podcast, especially the laughs they create. It's wonderful to hear your voices. Anyway, I saw this blog and thought it might be interesting to you. Maybe inspire a future podcast. And what he sent to me was another 12 forgotten classics by women-led new wave bands. And I really yes. think that we should we should actually, the four of us, if we can control... Like not speaking over the top of each other. Tricky. Maybe we should do do something like that and each take an artist. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Although it may end up being the longest podcast episode ever. Part one, part two. Anyway, Who thank knows? you so much for joining us. And Paula, it was lovely to to do it again with you. Missed you. Missed you too. See you next week, guys. Over and out. <laughs>